Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The sport is just going to die if they don't break the designated hitter to the National League. We got fresh frozen <laughs> strawberry margaritas, and Terry's bringing us chips and salsa all night long. Nick's hips do not lie. <laughs> Yeah, I got a MF wagon. Like, <laughs> let's be real. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. You can find them wherever your podcasts are downloaded or sold. With me, as always, is Ray Knight. Uh, Johnny, I think this is going to be a great episode. I do. They're going to talk baseball, Johnny, and the baseball is the reason they talk and what they talk about. I think that's important to talk about baseball. And if you're a baseball podcast, you're going to end up talking lots of baseball. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Johnny and Ray. Bob Carpenter with you here. And now, let's start the show. Hello, Heaters. Welcome to the latest, very jubilant episode of Half Street High Heat, because the Nats are on a roll. Presented to you, as always, by Manscaped. Thank you, as always, for joining us. We appreciate each and every one of you. I am Amanda, and I'm joined, as always, by my ebullient co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Please be sure you're to find us on Twitter. You can follow the show there at Half Street High Heat. And don't forget to check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com, which is updated regularly with all the new podcast episodes, articles, all kinds of good stuff. So check it out. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. It's, it's weird doing one of these episodes because even though we've been on a good run, Normally, it's broken up by, oh, they drop a game here. But overall, they're doing well. I mean, they won three I mean, in a row. They did They did exactly what we wanted them to. So it's rare we're, we're sitting here talking know, about it. I know, a happy episode. And you said 10. 10 wins on this stretch gets you and back they in on the season. Yeah, they're at three. Yeah, 33% of the way there, like, already. Yeah, three straight. It's, you know, the, the offense today was on fire. They've really... They've re- they're looking like a totally different team. It's almost impossible to explain. Everybody, you know, say, oh, it's a warm weather team or I don't know, whatever. Maybe it's the spin rates down from the pitchers. Who the hell knows? But they look like a totally different baseball team right now than they did a month ago. You know who's always good looking, though? Ryan. So true. Hey, handsome. not that any of you listening would know because he doesn't do face reveals online but trust us it's because yeah you have to gotta pay for his only fans to get that yeah oh yeah i'm getting i'm getting a pedicure soon so i'm gonna be selling feet pics so (laughs) stay tuned for that this took a turn no. Um, everyone loves pedicures about feet right before we uh right before we started recording so Anyways, how you doing, Ryan? I'm doing splendid. The Nats you know? are awesome right now. The, the the Nats are actually fun. Like I, I said for a while, I was like, if you're going to suck, at least be fun. But now the Nats are fun, and they're actually kind of good. So life's great. Two games above 500, only two back. Did the, did the Mets officially lose? I saw that. Uh, they're, getting, getting, they're getting blown out. Yeah, so. they're getting blown out. So uh, assuming that nothing crazy happens and they lose that game, we're only two back. That. Insanity. I mean, we tend to be a little uh, pessimistic on the show, admittedly, but it worked for us in 2019. So, you know, we we have a role to fill 
in the Nats grand scheme of success. And Ryan and I are filling that perfectly. Yeah. Toxic shack in the house. Okay. I, I'm glad you bring that up, Amanda. <laughs> People need to realize that this run started before Gerardo Parra joined the team. And it specifically started when Toxic Shack made his return. Nats got their ass into gear. They did not want to deal with it. They know just how much power comes with Shack, and they have been great ever since. So people are misdirecting the this, you know, uh, credit for the success, and it needs to be directed at Toxic Shack. Are you guys still hating on Parra, even though he's been pretty good? I'm yeah, because he still hasn't been pretty good. No, he's he has not good. been. No. He's hitting what two hundred? I'm saying he's been for the for what they brought him in to be. I feel like he's doing okay. Three he's for doing better 13. than I expected. Three for thirteen. What is this? What are we handing out like participation trophies? I mean, he's I right leader. God, been better than Robles. Okay, well, that's not that's, a high that's bar. Not very hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Ooh. That's true. So I guess the answer to my question is yes. But he yes, had he more home runs in like three games than Robles had in eighty. Well, yes, that's true. Robles did finally hit one yesterday. Well, two days ago, if you're as you're listening to this. And then Tuesday, Davey yeah. immediately benched him as classic Davey Martinez would, because God forbid anyone gets in a groove. Now, I was in and out for part of the game today. Did he let Lester hit for himself and then immediately pull him out of the game and let and bring in the reliever, or was I? Did I make that up? Yes, I believe Lester did hit for himself, but I didn't. I understand the move a little bit because. You didn't want to burn a position or a bench guy that early just to, you know, lose him again later. But yes, it was kind of an early one. I was actually shocked after the first inning that Lester made it through five. I wasn't thinking that he would, but you know, this, I was really apprehensive going into this game today because for those of you listening, this was yesterday's game, the second game against the race, Um, you know, with Lester having not performed well lately, I was in the bullpen in shambles. I was really worried that, if the offense couldn't score enough runs that, you know, Lester is going to maybe get behind early, maybe go out with a short outing and then the bullpen would be left to try to, you know, hold down a long game. And that really didn't happen. I mean, he went five, which isn't spectacular, but you'll take it from the back of your rotation. And uh, the offense went nuts. Yeah. And that's a perfect segue into our quick pitch. Do you guys think the offensive explosion uh, just around baseball, not even with the Nats, do you think it's a result of the sticky stuff crackdown? Before so you answer that, a... hold on. I've got some some uh, stats I want to share with you that we Uh-oh. can talk about. Stealing Ryan's flow, Sorry, word for I, word, bar I for bar. To, <laughs> I wanted to throw this out here because I read this in The Athletic. So if those of you who don't have The Athletic, um, you should have it. It's really good stuff. This came out today. Um, Enno Saris is the author, to give credit. So he says, since the crackdown began, 204 pitchers, which is 54%, of the league have seen a drop that you could call statistically significant in uh, spin rate. 145 pitchers, which is 38% of the sample, have seen a drop of at least one standard deviation. And 63 pitchers, which is 17%, have seen a drop of two standard deviations on their spin rate, which you can pretty much guarantee those guys were using SpiderTac or something similar. So just wanted to throw those out there as we discuss whether the offense we're seeing not just from the Nats but around baseball a huge uptick in offense as a result of the sticky stuff enforcement so we are officially 10 days past the official announcement of the crackdown usually as it gets June July August offense league-wide starts to explode a lot of that is because it gets warmer the ball carries better when it's warmer out and pitchers get hurt in these summer months um, especially this year, there's a lot more injuries and pit teams are digging deep into their bullpens, not just the bullpens, like their entire rosters trying to fill out for all the healthy guys. So that does play into it. But what's also interesting is in just 10 days, the league RPM is down 50 on its average, like 50 in 10 days is just absolutely nuts. And then you also look at the fact that, um, sorry, the league wide strikeout is percentage is down 0.7 percent and then also the walk percentage is up and also hit by pitch hit by pitches percentage is up as well so there's a lot of things that go into it i think we're too soon into it to determine it because we're only 10 days in that is too small of a sample size to make mm-hmm. any type of conclusion but 
yeah, there's a lot of stuff going into it, and all the data is pretty interesting. I mean, the fact that the league-wide average RPM is down 50 in 10 days is absolutely absurd. Um, I agree. The it, the offensive explosion is definitely, um, you know, in part, if not solely responsible due to the due to the crackdown on sticky stuff. However, I don't think it's entirely damning on the pitchers. Obviously, like you guys have both pointed out, there's been a significant drop in RPM and all these advanced metrics suggesting that pitchers were using spider tech and some sort of sticky stuff. But we have to remember it was basically legal. So it's not like they were entirely breaking the rules or um, you know all, all this other stuff. They were using something that's legal, and like we talked about when the memo came out, these pitchers are learning how to pitch almost entirely different because they have to acquire a grip on the ball somehow a different way than they obviously did before with all the sticky stuff. So it's not a direct, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's not necessarily a direct um Relation, relation to the crackdown, but because these pitchers are having to pitch differently, they might be, you know, mi- missing location or just not as effective. Or there are some cases where the spider tack was just helping them so much that now their pitchers are flat and they're just being hit hard. I'm not saying the whole league is um, innocent or, or so to speak, but one way or another, the, the offense you're seeing is because of the crackdown. I think it's definitely, that's, that's my thought too, is I think it's certainly not all of it. You know, warm weather always, as you said, Ryan, you know, leads to an increase in offense. But what we're seeing is pretty dramatic. And, you know, seeing 63 pitchers, which is 17% of the league, having a drop as large as two standard deviations in their spin rate is pretty huge. There was some controversy with Josh Donaldson and Lucas Giolito. I'm sure you guys saw that. Mm-hmm. And I did some reading about it, and I read that Lucas Giolito's slider was down um, 8 like the RPMs on it were down 8%, which doesn't seem that dramatic when you say it. But if you look at a pitcher who throws, like if you, if you correlated that to velocity, 8% is a huge drop. Like that's going from, that's going from 95 to 87 in your velocity. I mean, that's a massive difference you know, to see 8% drop. So, I mean, obviously spin rate and velocity are not exactly analogous, but it is when you think about some of these pitchers, they're, the, the change is really, is really important. It's really big. And I think a lot of these guys are going to see, if, as we look at the season at the end and we go back and look at some of these pitchers, I think it's going to be pretty clear who was using, you know, the real sticky stuff. Who was using like spider tack or the like when, when we look back at this later. But Ryan, as you said, it's much too small still now for, the sample size is too small for conclusions, but it's definitely interesting. And I think a lot of what we're seeing in the offense for the Nats and other teams, the Rangers in particular, are having a pretty dramatic increase in offense too. Um, anyway, it was just an interesting question. And I think yes is the short answer. Yeah. And with these pitchers, they're just going to have to learn how to pitch without it or whatever the, the compromise is. Uh, with the new CBA, if that even gets settled, I am in favor of a sunscreen and rosin compromise because, again, like I've said before, those are two legal substances that are used pretty much every single game across baseball. So I don't understand why you can't mix them, create sticky stuff. Pitcher, or excuse me, hitters are still allowed to use pine tar because it allows them a grip on the bat. Pitchers can use pine. Or I keep switching them. Our pitchers would be allowed to use um, sunscreen and rosin because it allows them a grip on the ball without too much of a drastic advantage, similar to what spider tag would give. If you want to eliminate spider tag completely, I think that's fair. It just makes the the great pitchers even better. The average pitcher is good, whatever. It just elevates stuff so much. And as we've seen up until, you know, 10 games ago or 10 days ago, however long it's been, the pitching has just been so dominant. So I'm all for trying to level the playing field a little bit, but don't make it such a big switch that all of these pitchers league-wide are just going to have to drastically change how they do things yeah, and how, the, how, sure. how they've learned to do things. Because, again, this stuff has been passed down from pitcher to pitcher 
these guys in the 80s, 90s were using some sort of sticky stuff. This has been going on for a while, and I'm not trying to say allow everyone to use spider tack or whatever. I'm just trying to say these pitchers grew up learning to pitch with sticky stuff so they could get a grip on the ball. Again, sunscreen and rosin, two legal things, so they didn't think anything of it. So completely switching on them when they're a major league pitcher, they can't just learn relearn how to pitch again you gotta there's got to be some common ground here so I, I hope they reach that agreed all right uh let's move on ryan baseball it may be the mid week in review but we got a full week of stories because this league is always going starting off mlb announced that they are placing x mets gm jared porter on the ineligible list through 2022 that's the same list and time frame that mickey calloway was just placed on not that long ago trevor bauer is under investigation for a sexual assault more info came out with a 67 page restraining order that was filed against bauer not that long ago bauer has denied any wrongdoing and has his team providing text messages to the athletic who broke the story mlb and the dodgers are currently investigating tyler skaggs's family sues the angels and former employees over his death hector santiago officially received his 10 game suspension he is appealing the umpire said it was pine tar mlb did not test the glove as they are going to suspend sorry yeah they're going to suspend players solely off of umpire's words uh, Josh Allison and Lucas Giolito have a war of words. Donaldson fires back and says, quote, guess what, Mr. Giolito? Your fastball spin rate is down 200. Your curveball spin rate is down 400 to 500, end quote. Um, he also fired at Ozzy Ian, who said that he should be hit, and which one had been one of the wildest Zoom interviews of all time, where he brought up Fidel Castro and talked about how much better he was than Ozzy Gann. Fabulous, fabulous interview. You guys should watch it. A's had their first game with no capacity limits and had just under 5,000 fans in attendance. The Dodgers swept the Giants and they battled the two best teams in the National League. The Padres have won nine of their last 10 games and are the league's hottest team. To the NL East, in fifth place are the 35 and 45 Marlins. They are currently beating the Phillies after they had yet another bullpen meltdown. After this series, they face the Braves. In fourth place are the 38 and 41 Braves. The Braves have spent the most time around 500 this season out of every single team in baseball. They have regressed quite a bit with some unfortunate injuries as well. They drop one game against the Mets and currently blowing them out now. After the Mets, they take on the Marlins. In third place are the 37 and 40 Phillies. They are currently now losing to the Marlins. Aaron Nola is on a different planet. He had eight strikeouts through five innings. Unfortunately, their bullpen is god-awful and has blown 21 saves in their last 60 games. After the Marlins series, the Phillies play the red-hot Padres. In second place are the 40 and 38 Nationals. More on them in a second. In first are the 41 and 35 Mets. Dylan Batanzas is to have season-ending surgery as their injuries continue to pile up. Up next for them are the Yankees. This has been your week in review. 40 wins for the Nats still sounds weird to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty intense turnaround. I, I feel like even just three weeks ago. What was it, June 9th that uh, Kyle Schwarber got started on his tear? Yep, it, and it seems like everything has been on that. I mean, the Nats, it, since Schwarber started hitting and got hot, everything has changed. Yep, 14-3 and three since June 13th, and obviously uh, the latest stretch of that is 3-0 since uh, we last talked, beating the Mets once and now sweeping a two-game set versus Tampa, who has been struggling, but they're still one of the AL's best. So that's no small feat. Mm-hmm. And Especially not with that offensive explosion. Right, and like like we talked about, Lester did not ha- – <laughs> I was going to say Lester did not have his best start. I don't know what his best start looks like at this point. Maybe that was. But <laughs> Lester, Lester did not have a good start, and the offense picked him up, which is such a welcome sight to see because you cannot depend on your, your starting pitcher to go six – with less than three runs every single game. They're going to have bad games where the offense really needs to pick them up. We talked about earlier in the season where it seemed like some of the pitchers were, were getting frustrated because they knew if there's one mistake made that the game would be over because of the lack of offense. Now it's the complete reversal of that where the pitchers are having bad starts, but the offense is so good that 
the pitchers still have a chance for the win. Did John Lester get the win today? I think he did, right? It's, and did John Lester deserve the win today? He absolutely did not. But that's the benefit of having an offense that can pick up your pitcher. And again, it's just such a welcome sight to see. And win losses are a stupid stat for pitchers. Stupid stat, <laughs> but it's so fun to dive into. Yeah, absolutely. It's just been really phenomenal to see. You said fourteen and three since the middle of June. Um, you know, going into July, we. I just it's so funny because just a few weeks ago we were talking about there's no way they could put I'm having I know we shouldn't even say it. I'm having these flashbacks. I remember around this time in twenty nineteen when we were going, they're not gonna play six hundred baseball the rest of the way. That's ridiculous. No team that starts like that is gonna have a run like that. And I don't know, it's hard to you know me, I'm a homer. I'm I'm fighting it. I'm <laughs> It's hard not to feel like, hey, you know what? I'm about to jump on this bandwagon and ride. If they go the rest of this stretch before the All-Star break and they win like 10 or 12 of these 17 games, I'm going to be insufferable. I'm just letting you know now. I mean, you're pretty insufferable as is. More Um, insufferable. (laughs) Extra insufferable. So I I was genuinely thinking about it today because the 2019 comps are just inevitable at this point. With the the way we started – the way we're playing now, it is what it is. We might as well just accept it, lean into it, whatever. So if you really want to compare it to 2019, what does this team need to replicate that success? Because obviously they're playing right now, but is this team you know, as is ready to go against the Dodgers in a seven-game set, against the Padres in a seven-game set? In theory, you know, you're getting Strauss back. Corbin, you would need a Corbin full-fledged rebound, and then you have your big three. You have your big three right there with Fetty and Ross being more than capable of starting a game four in a seven-game set or being a, you know, uh, reliever in the wildcard game or whatever mix of long reliever utility guy is. So you're you're pitching, you obviously could use help, but doesn't necessarily need help per se so then you get to the offense and obviously we're missing one huge piece in anthony rendon but we have some different guys mainly kyle shorber and josh bell so long-winded way of getting to can kyle shorber be anthony rendon obviously this stretch is phenomenal any not like anything rendon ever did in this amount of games or whatever but can Kyle Schwarber produce what to what Anthony Rendon did? And keep in mind, Kyle Schwarber is batting leadoff, so his chances with runners on base are going to be fewer than something like what Rendon would have seen. I still think they need a bat is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about in some of the group chats and on Twitter and whatnot, a, a move like Eduardo Escobar, Jonathan Scope, uh, Adam Frazier, a couple of these names that have been thrown around, obviously would be welcome, but do they really push us to a legitimate threat offensively? I don't think so. But I'm open to, at this point, really trying to get a bat that makes a difference. I just don't know what bat that is. Or who we trade for him. Or who we trade for him, because to get that bat, obviously it would take a full you know, top tier prospect. Cavalli is untouchable at this point, which I don't entirely hate that he's untouchable. And but we just don't have much else that's attractive. But then again, who else would who would we trade for? Chris Bryant's not going to get traded. Mm-mm. And then no. I mean, I don't who, know. That's who a good else question. Really like, who's option? a real impact bat? Like, who's a game changer? That right. if they decide to go quote all in, you know, on the season and and decide to be buyers, like, it, but you know. Rizzo never really, he never really is an all-in type thing. He never really goes out and makes that big move. He always makes the tinker around the edges, bring in nice pieces kind of moves that do that do help for sure. But he's but, always had a second superstar. And I get Trey has elevated himself to that, you know, pairing with Soto. But again, if you want to compare 2019, we had Trey, Soto, and Rendon. Right. And Kyle Schwarber has been great. We have on our show doc 16 home runs, 75 plate appearances is the most in MLB history. And he tied the modern MLB record with 12 home runs in 10 games. That's it's unbelievable. Unreal. 
Yeah, the uh, the word unbelievable gets used a lot. This is actually unbelievable. Like, it's it, there's you can't say you've ever seen anything like it because there's never been anything like it. I mean, it's really just been awesome to watch, but it's unsustainable, obviously. And if he comes back down to earth, but it's better than what it was earlier in the season, then that's great. But this can't this can't go on. I'm sure enjoying it while it lasts, but you can't count on this. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was trying to allude to, and I probably didn't do a good job of it, but what I was trying to allude to a second ago, what does Shorber coming back down to Earth look like? And that I don't believe is comparable to an Anthony Rendon if you're trying to make a comparison with this year's team versus the 2019 team. Well, let me ask you this. What if it? What if he does? What if he maintains enough of a pace, maybe not this torrid pace he's on now, but he's still hitting well enough to be doing something like what Randone did for them in 2019. Do you feel like with a bat like scope or Escobar that they could be a legit threat or a legit contender? No, no, I, I no, I, I genuinely, sorry, Nick, but no, you're I, fine. I genuinely don't think so. The, the problem with this team and like, they're in a very interesting dilemma right now because obviously if things stay the way they are, they're going to buy. The division reeks. They're taking full advantage of that and they're playing very well. They're going to need an impact bat. The problem is there is going to be a pretty big bidding war for all the impact ones. They're not going to win any bidding war whatsoever. So then you have to ask yourself, is it worth it giving up any prospects? Because you have a very bad farm system. You have a very old team. If you go all in and you don't make the playoffs, you just set yourself back a couple of years. And I kind of hope the front office realizes that. So they're kind of in a spot where they're going to have to get that borderline guy that may or may not help. Literally, it makes me so mad, but someone like Estrubo Cabrera, someone like Escobar, those lower tier guys who are a nice little boost, but are going to be the equivalent to Starling Castro in the lineup, it's not going to change anything unless they go out and try to get a like two dominant or not dominant, but like two great bullpen relievers and try to just win with pitching. I don't know if this team can actually get that big bat that will make the difference. That's honestly one thing that had just crossed my mind. If, cause Amanda threw out the, the point that if Schwarber can maintain some semblance of, uh, you know, what he's doing now, what he's doing now and Rendon level production. And obviously that, that, rests upon Soto kind of he's been better as of late but Soto being the one Soto we know and love one option would be to bolster your bullpen which we'll get to here in a little bit but it's certainly not the strength we had uh expected coming into the season and that's mainly due to all the injuries we, we've seen it's really just Brad Hand left standing so if you wanted to try to win with pitching that's certainly a Option. Tried and true option for this team, that's for right. sure. And getting those bullpen pieces might be a little easier to come by than a bat that would really move the needle. I don't know where I, I fall on that. I would have to see how this next two weeks plays out and kind of how I'm feeling about the prospects of, or uh, poor word choice there, but the, the future, uh, the outlook of this team before I come to a decision on that, but that might be a decision they decide to make because they could use the bullpen help right now. Yeah, that's for sure. And actually, you know what, let's, I know we were going to talk about Trey next, but why don't we table that for a second and talk bullpen um, since it's a kind of natural progression of this conversation. Um, Rainey has gone to the IL. I mean, the, the bullpen is really in shambles. They've got, is it four guys now on the IL? Obviously Harris is out for the year. Harris Hudson. Hudson's on the Rainey IL. now. And I mean, Avilon, if you want to count Avilon. Yeah, okay. So four guys on the IL. They DFA'd Justin Miller after his atrocious outing the other night where he tried to single-handedly give up that lead. Um, they've got some new guys. Uh, Ryan Harper and Kyle Lobstein were called up. And also Andres Machado, who we saw pitch in the second game against the Rays for two innings. He actually looked really good. Um, obviously, only two innings, but it was good to see. Um, for those of you who don't know who he is or how he came to be with the Nats, because we were talking about this before we started recording and we weren't even aware that he had been, you know, acquired by the Nats. Um, they, 
have had him down at Rochester. He's got a 2.63 ERA with 18 strikeouts. Um, looking pretty good in AAA and look pretty good today. So I guess that's a nice little piece while they've got so many guys injured currently. And uh, also Brad Hand, who was unavailable in this last game because he had thrown three consecutive days prior to that. So he's pretty gassed, and everybody else is AAA guys or people you haven't heard of. Yeah, and with Brad Hand, one of those was a five-out save, which was yeah. very clutch of him to come in and do. I can't remember which game it was. It was the first game Was it the, the against the Rays. The Mets. Was no. it the Mets game? Because we won against the Mets 4-3 or 5-4. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's the Mets. Mets. Okay, but um, yeah, that was that was very clutch for him. But kind of like we just talked about, he's really the last guy standing. There's some uh, mainstays like Austin Voth, who we haven't really talked about a bunch on the podcast because he was in that conversation with Fetty and Ross for the five starter. Had a bunch of bad starts last year, and with Fetty and Ross's success this year, he kind of just. Didn't get talked about a, a lot, but he's been having a great year, and he's going to be someone we need to rely upon during these next two weeks especially. But he, he's been great, and we'll see if he can translate that success to a late-inning guy, like I said, the eighth-inning guy, because that's what he's going to need to be. Suero is Davies' guy. He's going to be used a ton. But there's a lot of these guys, like you just mentioned, Ryan Harper, Lobstein, Machado. They're all going to need to step up. Brad Hand can't pitch every day, and he can't go – five, six outs every single appearance either. He's been used a lot and sometimes questionably, and sometimes he's, you know, getting hot in the bullpen but not being used for whatever reason. So there are legitimate bullpen worries right now, and with people like Lester not being able to go deep into games, um, not Suero, Espino still being stretched out into a starter, so he's really only going five. Even though he's pitching well, he's only going five because his pitch count isn't where it needs to be to be a full-fledged starter yet. You're going to need to rely, rely on the, these young guys or go make moves now a uh, couple weeks ahead of the deadline. Boy, Espino's been a fun story, huh? Yeah, I made a, a nice great, surprise. I made a great pun, Apollo Espino. Yeah, that was a good one. I'm good. I'm very good. That was a good one. Monty was proud of you. Anything I can do to make Monty proud. It is important. Mm-hmm. It is important. Yeah, so the bullpen has, you know, been so much better this year than it's been in past years. But right now, I feel like it's at its weakest point of the season, right when we're in our hardest stretch of the season. So it is my biggest worry that we've got injured. You know, the pitching staff is stretched pretty thin anyway. Um, we, you know, obviously, Fetty's gone on the IL. Strauss is still on the IL. You know, if if our starters can't get deep into games and we've got a patchwork bullpen, you know, it's it's not a recipe for wins. So, so far it's worked out, but that's my biggest concern going into the rest of this, you know, next stretch. We have 14 games left now until the All-Star break. Yep. All right. Um, let's talk about something fun. Trey Turner hit for the cycle again today. Uh, his third which ties the MLB record. Uh, No one has ever had four. And uh, while sliding into third, he absolutely was just trucking around the bases and jammed his finger. The good news is Trey's used to playing with nine fingers. Um, (laughs) Again, that's another freaking uh, contrast, whatever you want to call it, to 2019. But yeah, um, this is someone you really need to get healthy. Obviously, Trey has been, well, except for Kyle Schrober the last couple weeks, he's been your best player all year long. Really hope he's not out too long, especially with the Dodgers coming to town, and then you go to the West Coast. Not the best time, but hopefully it's something that's not out for too long, and his finger is okay, and there's no long-term damage with his finger. That is all you can hope for. So Dodgers game, Dodgers series starts tomorrow. I have tickets for tomorrow's game. The weather looks really bad. Yeah, I have tickets as well, but it's not looking. Yeah, but there's a cold front coming, so. Yeah, cold front sounds really welcome, but it's (laughs) supposed to rain all day tomorrow, so I don't have high hopes, but this is my my husband's birthday present was these tickets, so I'm hoping we get to go use them. I'm going to go streaking hide in the, the, the tube of the tarp. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Well, I will have my uh, my phone ready to record that moment for posterity. It's going to be all in part for a manscaped dad. Nice, nice. I like the <laughs> I like the commitment. <laughs> I like the commitment. 
All right. So what do we think? Can the Nats continue this hot streak they're on against the Dodgers? So this is this is going to be a big test. The Dodgers are good. They're not as good as everyone thought they would be this year, um, mainly because the surprising team in the Giants. But they're still good. If you look at their team ranks, their starting pitchers are second in ERA, first in whip, first in walks per nine, first in K per nine, third in home run, sorry, third in hits per nine. They're average in hitting, they're 14th in bit on average in league, second on base, eighth in OPS, third in runs, eight in home runs. This team is good and this team scores a lot. Their pitching has taken a slight step back. They're one of the biggest teams that are impacted by the um the sticky stuff enforcement. Yes, thank you. I was blanking on that. So that is going to be very interesting to watch. When you look at the pitching matchups, um, they're starting Tony Goslin, who has a 277 ERA and 18 strikeouts, going up against Corbin. Then they're going Julio Urias against Max Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw versus Paolo Espino, the battle of the two complete aces. And right now, Trevor Bauer is slated to pitch on Sunday. That may change in the upcoming days versus Joe Ross. So it's going to be fun. Um, I don't know. I feel like a sweep will be lucky. Like, I don't know. I just, I feel like the Dodgers are very, very good. And this is actually the perfect test for the Nats to see where they are. I feel like if everything goes right, they can get a sweep. I don't really have a lot of faith in Patrick Corbin. And I don't really have a lot of faith in Espino going up against this lineup, unfortunately, even though he's been fantastic. So those are the two games I'm a little uncertain. Sunday, they may have to do a bullpen game. That boasts well, but it's going to be fun. I love playing the West Coast teams. They're really fun to watch. West Coast baseball is great. But yeah, let's let's just hope. <laughs> I think a split is probably what I'm expecting. Three out of four would be terrific. Obviously, a sweep would be unreal, but I don't anticipate that <laughs> happening. So I'm like, kind of I, I don't want I don't want to split because you can't keep splitting with good teams and expect to be a contender because the Nats aren't playing good enough against teams below five hundred to do that for the whole season. But honestly, a split with the Dodgers, that'd be one I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. And that's that with our team in the position it's in right now with so many of our pitchers out and you know especially if Trey isn't able to play for all or part of this, if they can split, I'll be perfectly happy with that. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking at the schedule right now and kind of just seeing where, uh, not that they can afford to lose a game, but where it might be the best time to lose a game, if that makes sense. They don't have an off day, and that, that's really a problem because they are they have the Dodgers at home up until Sunday. They have an 11 o'clock game on Sunday, but then they're playing the Padres at 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, all the way across the country. So they don't even have an off date to adjust time zone and all that stuff. So Monday's a game you're almost expecting to drop just because of jet lag and the, the traveling co- cross country and stuff. And who knows how long that carries over into the series. So I, I kind of agree with Ron. I don't want to split. I would take it. But really, while you're playing well, while you're at home, while the bats are going, you want to try to at least win three or four, if not sweep. And that would really set yourselves up for any lag that you experience traveling across country with no days off because you don't get one until the all-star break. And we all, we highlighted this last episode. It's going to be tough. This is make or break. So if you really want to set yourself up for the best opportunity for success, you have to go out there and you got to beat the Dodgers. You, it's just one of those things you're going to have to do now. If you're a legit contender, you're going to have to do later too. So might as well get used to beating them now. Hard to argue with that. Yeah. I would, certainly, I would like to see it. <laughs> we will see what happens. Okay. Um, Scott Boris gave an interview in which he talked about Max Scherzer. Did you guys this one. That? So, yes. I listened to both of his interviews. He originally did one with NBC Sports Chicago when they asked him about the possibility of Max Scherzer being traded. He said that Max would have to have a contract extension from the team to waive his no-trade clause. Well, everyone was like, oh, that means he's for sure probably not going to get traded. No one's going to do that. He recently did an interview with um, the Washington Post, and he walked back that comment immediately. He said he didn't really mean a contract. He said Max and him have not talked about that. He also said what he meant was just the team would have to give him something to 
waive the clause. What does that mean? They have to be a World Series contending team. He also said with the way the Nats are tra- playing right now that it is a moot point because the Nats are not going to sell. As we all know, Scott Boris is the actual GM of the Washington Nationals. Um, he also was saying that, sorry, this was not him who said that. This was people close to the situation that Max has not asked for a trade, but they said that that could change if Nets fall apart between the deadline. Those same sources also said that Max Scherzer would be open to returning to the Nationals in the offseason if he was to be traded. The article then went on to talk about names that could be available if the Nats do fall apart before the deadline. A lot to unpack there. The the biggest one to me is what we kind of threw out there as a possibility should the Nats continue to falter, which obviously is kind of a moot point now because they're certainly not faltering, in that Max would be open to re-signing with the Nats even after a, a potential midseason trade to another team. That one hurts a little bit because just imagine the haul you would get for Max if you did trade him. I'm not advocating for it, at least not as much as I was before. But the fact that he was would be open to it, it still lends itself to a conversation should you be 500 at the trade deadline, which is, what, roughly 25 games more into the season. If you're still 500 then, you got to at least have a conversation about that. And if he's open to it, that should only increase your um, flexibility to dealing him because the sole argument for keeping him around is how much he means to the franchise. You want him to retire and that da, 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 da. You still view yourselves as a contender. Max is still effective. And I mean, more than effective this year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Way more than effective, but he projects to still be effective. Should he receive another contract and all that stuff? So, you can get him back and retain that good faith and good standing with one of your best players in franchise history, but also speed up a potential new era of the Nats without having to go potentially through a full-fledged rebuild. That's something that's so entirely enticing that you can't just brush off. Obviously I would love to win this year if that's on the table, but if we're 500 still through 25 more games, it's going to give me big time 2018 vibes for those who don't remember. We are hovering around 500 basically the whole season. We didn't trade at the deadline. We had the infamous Sunday night baseball game where David Bodie hit a grand slam, walk off grand slam. And that kind of put the nail in the coffin. And then we proceeded to trade people like Daniel Murphy, Matt Adams during the now extinct waiver deadline. But that was too little too late. We didn't get anything from them from those deals. So it really, and didn't trade Harper. And didn't trade Harper either. Yeah. Right. So I don't want to repeat past mistakes. I think if you're still 500, no matter where you're at in the division, you got to look to unload some pieces. Maybe not Max, but definitely unload yeah, some pieces just to Max, see. Max, even if you set aside the what he meets to the franchise argument, I if you're if you're in if you feel like you can win, if you feel like maybe you're you know, four or five games over 500 and, you know, in the thick of a race with the Mets for the division, which I think is entirely possible given the way they're playing right now. If you're in that situation, you trade Max, you've pretty much punted on the season because he's been, he's your ace. He's your best Mm -hmm. pitcher. You know, if you, you give up on the season by doing that and, you know, unless they're, I mean, even at 500, I, I don't see them doing that if they really fell apart between now and then, but right now they're playing their best baseball of the season. I just don't see it. Yeah. I'm not advocating for it, but it, it's something you need to be mindful of if this season is just not in the cards for you contending. Yeah. Or if the Mets <laughs> run away with it and it doesn't look like that too. You know, if, that's, if yeah, the that's play thing. early in the season means you can't catch a wild card spot and the Mets run away with it, then that's something you could, you know, it's a different situation. Yeah. Like, this division is still completely wide open because the Mets are having so many issues right now. They're playing, I think, 34 games in 32 days or whatever it is, and they have 11 pitchers on the IL. That's extremely taxing. That is going to hold them back. 
The Braves can't get over 500. The Phillies just suck. This division is going to be wide open, and that is going to give the Nats hope. I will say, though, if they go 500 or a little below 500 in this stretch, I think that kind of changes the conversation about this team. Um, But the interview also basically said that this stretch Nationals are in is going to decide what they do at um, at the trade deadline. So this is very important baseball like we knew. This has a lot riding on it, and I'm excited because regular season games have meaning are always a little more fun. Indeed. So speaking of trading people, what do we think about Robles? It's, I think he's the trade piece most likely to be gone. So the reason if they buy. The reason why this one comes up is because a account on Twitter who got the Josh Bell trade right, whether that was luck or not, said that the Nats were talking with the Pirates about Brian Reynolds and and throwing around Victor Robles as trade bait. Originally, I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. But then I looked at Brian Reynolds' numbers, and surprisingly, he has the best war amongst all center fielders in National League. He's been one of the best players in baseball. Very shocked about that one. This one is very interesting. I don't think the Nats would do it. I don't think they could swallow their pride on how wrong they were about Victor Robles. But if a player like Brian Reynolds, that's a game-changing player. I feel like that's something you would have to do. I mean, that drastically changes your team. You're adding a four-war guy with a 930 OPS to your lineup. I highly, highly doubt. I think there is a less chance of trading Victor Robles than there is of them trading Max Scherzer. But I like rumors. I love trades. Trades is something I love more than... um, I love more than drafts. Like, trades are my thing. Absolutely love them the greatest things of all time. I also like drama. This will be great drama. So I'm all for it. Let's just, let's just see the world burn. If it happens, see the world burn. I actually disagree with you. I think, I think Robles is the most likely to be traded of the major league pieces they have. I, I don't know. My bias is creeping in a little bit. You guys know how I feel about Victor Robles and specifically his, uh, projections as a future ball player we've talked about it a lot uh, on this podcast i think if someone finds immense value in him you need to be open to it you we've seen some some deals go down uh prior to the the raise being uh as successful as we we know them to be now they made a couple of these moves at the deadline, even though they weren't in direct contention or whatever. It wasn't necessarily a that year move. It was a move for the future. So if a move or if an opportunity comes up like that, where a team values Robles and you can acquire a player that would significantly help your team, not only now, but in the future as well, you got to be open to it. Someone compared this to the Lucas Giolito trade. I don't view it that way. Robles was one never as highly regarded as Giolito. And two, he's had a lot more playing time in the major leagues than Lucas Giolito did at the time that Giolito was traded. We're starting to see, Robles is still young and obviously can get better than he currently is, but we're starting to see the player Robles is going to be for his career. Obviously, I think, he, I think we know who he is. At yeah, I mean, that, that can certainly change, but for the most part, we know who he is. So if a team really buys into the fact that, hey, he's still, you know, 24 years old. There's a lot of room for growth for this guy. I feel like we can turn it around. Let, let's, quote, unquote, overpay a little bit to get him in because we believe in him. And then the Nats side, it's like this team is offering a haul for Victor Robles. We get controllable pieces, pieces that will help us, whatever it may be. I'm all for that. I loved this trade rumor. I would trade a little bit of defense for significantly more offense is kind of the way I was looking at it. I don't think it's going to happen for if I'm the Pirates. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Not for just Robles. For not like you, not for just Robles. Talking about right. Henry or somebody like that too, maybe. Right. So uh, it just didn't make a lot of sense for me. But I agree with Ryan. I absolutely love rumors. I love talking trades. I, I love drafts too. But I, I and <laughs> I mean these kind of rumors are really what get you thinking and. Uh, I'm all for it if uh, the opportunity presents itself. Do we know how controllable Brian Reynolds is? I don't know what his contract situation is. Four and a half years. Wow. The half being this year. He has more wow. control than uh, Victor Robles, okay, which is one that? reason trading Robles wouldn't make a ton of sense to me. 
uh, if from the Pirates' perspective, that is. But yeah, they'd have to get more than just Robles in exchange, I think. Yeah. Well, I guess time will tell, but that one is definitely an interesting rumor. All right. So, any other rumors we want to talk about? We talked about Max rumors. We talked about Robles rumors. You guys hearing anything else? There's a rumor that our friends at Manscaped have something planned for the summer. Summer is here, and if you're not ready to unveil your beach bod, Manscaped has got you covered with the all-new Lawnmower 4.0, which is a part of their fourth-generation performance package. You heard that right, fourth generation. You can complement your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining. Call your name, fellas. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And get ready for summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping using our code HSHH20. There's nothing quite like getting yourself ready and all groomed and ready to go for the summer. Use our promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. Um, all right. You guys ready for a draft? Always ready for a draft. So we, we teased this one a little bit leading up to... Uh, the all-star break and we're kind of in range now where we've gotten some of the names. We haven't gotten a full list of participants for the home run derby. So we thought it'd be fun to do a draft of our dream home run derby participants among active players. I have to qualify that because obviously there are plenty of uh, previous or retired players that we would love to see. So we're going to have a draft. We're going to go four rounds of any hitters in the league that we want to see, you know, swing Quick question. It. Are we allowed to pick players who have already said they're not going to do it? Yes. This is your, your dream. Okay. Got so, uh, I'm trying to randomize, but random.org is experiencing problems. So let me, uh, what, what's a fair way? I can't do rock, paper, scissors. So let me pull up a randomizer. That's not random.org because random.org is, uh, unreliable picker wheel all right we're gonna do a picker wheel all right all right here we go and enter amanda's name ryan's name my name okay we're hitting spin here we go oh i just made a noise (laughs) oh my god this is going so it's scintillating it's going so slowly this is terrible radio this is terrible radio I'll just go first. It's fine. No, hold on. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. This is slow. All right. It's slowing down. Here we go. Is it spinning that whole time? Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, it's, uh, okay. Yeah, the order is, Amanda, you did get first six. So it's Amanda, Ryan, and then myself. And a snake draft, as always. Perfect. Shohei Otani. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All, All right, right Ryan. second. Ryan said. Ah, so this is in Colorado. This is a once-in-a-lifetime home run derby. The ball is going to be a full lion. I want big daddy hacks, and there's Damn no it. one bigger right now than Vlad Jr. I already mm-hmm. know he says he's not doing it, um, which I'm very upset about. Give me that, man, because he put on a freaking show in, so fun in, in Cleveland. Imagine him in Colorado where the ball is going to be going 500 plus feet. I'm hyped. Give me Vlad. That That's the correct pick. Obviously, I love Otani, but Vlad was the number one on my big board. Uh, I'm going to go similar to a Vlad Jr. route, and I don't know if he's actually given his decision. Oh, no, he has. He said he's not doing the derby this year, but I do think we see him do a derby in the future, and that is Fernando Tatis. Mm -hmm. He takes daddy hacks, too. He's not necessarily uh, as exciting as far as deep home runs like Vlad Jr. or some of the other uh, past derby contestants we've seen, but he's really the face of baseball right now, if we're being honest, that that transition's happening to Fernando Tatis. So him being in the Derby on the center stage in one of the best uh, all-star events in sports, that's exactly where you want him to be. So Tatis is my first pick. My second pick is, is generally not pandering. He's just the hottest hitter on the planet right now. I'm oh, going Kyle no. Schroeder. I'm going he's Kyle Schroeder. He's I the hottest you. He's the hottest hitter on the planet right now. It, it, it just It's fitting. It's generally not pandering. I told you he was mine in our group chat before we 
started recording. Well, you had a chance to pick him and you didn't. So I know I couldn't pick him over. Otani. I'll, I'll, I'll trade you Shorber for Otani. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, your loss. Fair enough. All right, Ryan. Yes. Yeah, so again, I am keeping the theme with my big daddy hacks. I'm going with the person who's probably been the second best hitter in baseball in June. He does have a higher WRC plus than Kyle Schwarber since June 1st. And I'm going with Joey Gallo. The man hits mm-hmm. absolute nukes. He already has a 500 foot home run in his career and I want to see more of them. So my second pick is Joey Gallo. A good one. I like it. I like it. That's a, that's a pick that like true baseball fans are going to have to respect the casual fan. They they won't know, but true baseball fans have to respect that pick. All right. I'm going to go a little out of the box here. Um, I was kind of reading through and trying to think of who like looking at people's stats. Cause you know, you don't watch everybody every night, but I did catch a Rangers game in the recent past and Adalas Garcia. Have you guys seen this kid play? I have. Yeah, he's pretty impressive, and so I looked him up on the kind of where is he on the list, and he's six. On the internet? I did on the internet, yeah, like where he is on the home run ranks in the league, and he's six, but he's my pick. I think he's fun. I like it when rookies do the derby, too. I always think that's a cool way for, like, a a young player to get introduced on the big stage to the whole country and to the whole league, so that's my next pick. I'll never forget when Freddie Freeman did the derby in 20. 20- 18 that when I was at Nats Park and he just would refuse to change his swing and he was just hitting doubles into the gaps. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love Freddie Freeman. <laughs> He's right, my favorite, next? my favorite non-Nat. Okay. Um, I hate the Braves, but I'm going to go Acuna. I mean, he's just, he's yeah. such a great hitter, and he's just so much fun. He's, again, one of those face of baseball guys. He's got so much personality. I feel like he would really bring the fireworks at the Derby. Absolutely. I, so I'm surprised he lasted one. this long. Yeah, me too. I was He was kind of high up on my board, and I'm surprised he's still there. So yeah. All right, Ryan, back to you. Yeah, I, th- I thought about him, but he does not fit my strategy of big daddy hacks. Daddy hack strategy. I thought he takes that. I'd say Acuna takes daddy hacks. No, 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 no. I'm talking like next those, level. those big boys. I'm talking John Carl Stanton. The man's 6'7", yeah. mm-hmm. like I don't know how many pounds. Um, leads the league in hard hit balls over 110 miles per hour, more than most teams. The man hit a home run outside Dodger Stadium. He is a monster when he's healthy, and I really, really want to see him do a home run derby in cores before he retires. It's a shame he's hurt right now. Um, but yeah, I'm going John Connor Sam. I just want to see him just hit absolute moonshots for four minutes straight. Yeah. Uh, that's a great one, and that leads me into one of my next ones, and that's Aaron Judge. We oh. also the, the show he put on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what year was that? Sixteen or seventeen? Seventeen. Seventeen, because he up. yeah, it was his rookie year, and he's dealt with a plethora of injuries since then. So it's not a huge surprise that we haven't seen him uh, return to defend his crown or reclaim his crown or anything like that. I hope we get to see it again. Coors offers such a unique opportunity. I hope whatever this current year's um, derby participants round out with that we get some really like Ryan says daddy hacks because we're going to see some absolute nukes my last one I'm going to dig a little deeper and show some love to someone that doesn't get talked about I mean doesn't get talked about on this pod because he's not a nap but doesn't really get talked about much around the league and that's Jesse Winker he's right up there in the league leading home runs and he absolute hits piss missiles i mean the dude can rake and you know if you can do it in real life in games you can do it in the derby as well so i'm going a little deeper i'm going jesse winker okay i like it ryan your last one i am last my last of the big daddy hacks squad i am once again sticking to a guy who's six foot five 230 and that's matt olsen he hits absolute tanks I in like a it. very pitcher-friendly park. Um, I think he's third or fourth in home runs this year. Absolutely fantastic player. Want to see him. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he's third. He has 20 home runs on the year. Want to see him in cores. My big boy team of just units. I got four fridges out there just hitting bombs. Four fridges. Yeah, uh, so I can't believe Alonzo is still on the board. So Honestly, I'm gonna t- 
Yeah, I forgot. He, didn't he win last year? Yeah, well, there wasn't one last year, but he's the defending or champ the from defending 2019. Champion. Yeah, and that guy just hits absolute bombs. So uh, I think he's, he, I, and you know, I hate the Mets, but man, watch it. He's got a he's got a swing that every time he every time he takes a swing, you think this one could go out of there. So I think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So he will be my last pick. These teams are actually pretty well balanced. Looking at them. Amanda, you're going to take some heat for, not heat, but you're not going to get the love for the Adalas Garcia pick. I know. It was because I wanted a rookie. I like. You could have got him with your last pick, though. That's the thing. Yeah, that's true. I could have. But, hey, you got to go get your guy. Got to. Sometimes you got to go get your guy. Unless uh, that guy is Kyle Schwarber. So, clearly, Amanda doesn't love Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. He's not Shohei Otani. Speaking of Kyle Schwarber, uh, check out the RT public site. Some new Kyle Schwarbert merch dropped. That's one of our best sellers. And oh, so 2021 good. NL MVP Trey Turner merch dropped today as well. So be sure to go on and check that out. It's in the the um, the link is in the description for this episode. If you just click on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you listen, just go down, scroll down, you'll see the link. I was just looking it up. Vlad Jr. is my shortest guy, and he's 6'2", 250. Nice. He is... Uh, Wagon. That is Team Big Daddy Hack right there. It's team Wagon. Big Daddy Hacks. I got two six foot five ones. Sorry, I'm just hyping my squad up again. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. I like it. I like the enthusiasm. I mean, it's if, rather ebullient, if I may say. If you're not your team's biggest hurrah de para, then what are you really doing? Exactly. exactly. Not baby shark. That's what. Did you see what I did there? I used hurrah de para interchangeably with the word cheerleader. Yes, I did see what you did there. It was okay. it was extremely clever. Thank you. Especially, yeah, especially since you explained it, that made it even better. Well, I, I like acknowledgement, so. <laughs> Acknowledge me. All right. I think that's all we've got for tonight. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here? Take the series against the Dodgers. Yeah, that would be pretty great. I am high on this team right now. I feel like they are She's surprising so me. Nice. I can't wow. hit that note. No, you can't. Yeah, that was bad. At least not without warming up the pipes, you know, give you you an excuse. Yeah, team's hot. Stay hot against the Dodgers. Um, Hopefully the game happens tomorrow. And uh, looking forward to it. Could get myself some ramen and watch some baseball. Yeah, please don't rain tomorrow. I'm not trying to attend a dumb seven-inning doubleheader on Saturday morning in the dead heat. Yeah, it's going to rain tomorrow. I don't have high hopes for the game, but we shall see. We shall see. All right. Good talking to you guys. We will catch up again in a few days. Go now. Let's go. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Let's go. By the early light of dawn, well you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go Nats, we've got a game to play We're gonna win today, let's go
know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.